Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hello and welcome to another episode of Tendy Talk. I am your host Joe, better known as Washed Up Goalie on social media. Okay, I have to admit, recording this episode was a little surreal. As a young goaltender growing up in Chicago, Ed Belfour was the goaltender I looked up to. For this episode, I had the pleasure of talking hockey and whiskey with Ed and his son, Dane. We talk a little bit about what drew them to the position, tinkering with their equipment, and Belfour Spirits. If you're lucky enough to live in an area where you can get Belfour Spirits whiskey, pour yourself a glass and enjoy the episode. Well, Ed... Dane, thanks for joining me tonight. It's a treat to talk to you. Thanks for having us, man. Yeah, Dane and I were just talking. Uh, like him, I, I played for St. Jude out of Southwest Ice Arena, so uh, some some wow. fun stories of that old barn in the orchard. <laughs> yeah, that's one of my favorite rinks. <laughs> yes. Uh, when I was playing high school hockey for Brother Rice, Gary Presley, the Cubs organist, would play the organ for our games. Wow. Wow. Yeah, so that, that, that was fun. Uh, but hey, I, I want to be mindful of time. And the fact that there's three of us on the Zoom call means I really have to be mindful of it because of uh, time constraints <laughs> there. So uh, the, the idea behind my podcast is really to talk to goalies of all uh, skill levels about their the game, what they love about it, but also what they do away from the game to keep themselves... Um, grounded and obviously you guys have a really unique story with uh Belfort spirits um which i'm a home beer brewer so i i'm fascinated by how, how you got into the spirit side of it so it's it, it's all crease related joy swear to god if you're if you're home brewer it means we've been stuck in the crease for the entirety of our existence yes and you're like hey I, i'm creative still i gotta do something else well, and even look at a guy like Marty Turco, who came uh, to Dallas after you, Ed. He's got his own uh, brewery now. So it's it, it's a goalie thing. It sh- sure is. Totally a goalie thing. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Um, well, I have to say, start out, uh, I, I made notes, so I stay on, on task because uh, my wife said, now, now make sure you let them do some talking too. <laughs> because uh, growing up as a kid, 
you know, in Chicago in the early 90s, uh, falling in love with the game and the position of goaltending, uh, it wasn't a stretch for me to, you know, really look up to you, Ed, as the guy I, I modeled my game after. Um, not nearly as well as you, <laughs> but I, I still tried to model it after you. Um, it, and it was uh, many years before I finally got my first Eddie Belfour autograph. It was two years ago. My buddy TJ, who works for uh, Goose Island, he was the fellow that um, organized their watch party with Chris Chelios and Darren Pang. And he goes, Joe, you, you got to get down here for this one. I said, oh, man, I, I can't. And he goes, well, if you want something signed, send it. So I, I contemplated. I, I have a uh, San Jose Sharks jersey with Belfour and 20 on the back. And then I have my Chicago one. I, went, I feel like the Chicago one's the better one to send. And I sent uh, my upper deck rookie card I had of you. And um, I have it right here. And what impressed me is when you signed it, you didn't just sign it Eddie Belfour. You signed it Eddie Belfour number 31 because that was the jersey in the card. And uh, right. I just said that attention to detail, that that is, uh, I think, what set you apart in the game of hockey. <laughs> well, that and having Trechek as my goalie coach was uh, a... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I, I can only imagine the, uh, the discussions you two had about uh, the position about uh, technique and philosophy uh, to, to be a fly on the wall, especially in the old Chicago stadium would have been something. Um, yeah, it was a treat. It was uh, such an honor to work with him. Yeah. And uh, Dane was lucky enough to work with him too. So we were, we were both, uh, you know, in awe working with him. And, um, you know, when I first started working with him, he didn't speak hardly any English. So that was a little difficult in the beginning. Uh, we had to have an interpreter on the ice. Yeah, it's interesting you say that, too, because I was talking to the one of the guys from the Engel um, podcast, and, you know, he, he's talked to um, other goalies that don't speak English, and, but he said, you know, the game of hockey and the position of goaltending transcends language. You know, you, you can just start, you know, pointing to pieces of equipment and doing things. And it's like, oh, okay, I, I know what you're getting at there. We were lucky enough, you know, he, he could still play, in fact, Mike Keenan wanted him to play for the Blackhawks. It was amazing to watch him in practice, and the guys were, you know, trying to score on him. They wanted to score on Trechak, and they had a hard time scoring on him. He was still stoning everybody. So <laughs> it was pretty cool. Well, that that's awesome. I, I remember when when you were traded um, to San Jose. Um, first of all, I had a game the next day. It was a JV game. And I think I let in six goals in the first period. So at the end of the year banquet, my coach said, well, I learned one thing this year. Never play Joe the day after Eddie Belfort has been traded uh, because it's not going to go well for us. But I went across the street to Hockey Unlimited and brought my San Jose jersey. He said, all right, I want number 20. And Belfort put on the back. And Linus, the guy that ran the place, he goes, but he wears number 30. I said, not anymore. He changed it. He goes, why would he do something like that? Why 20? And I, I tried to explain. I said, <laughs> I don't know, but I heard he changed it to 20 in honor of Trechiak. He goes, you're paying for it, so I'm going to do what you want, but I don't believe you. And that, <laughs> then it came back like two weeks later, and he goes, oh, okay, you, you were probably right. probably had the first one. <laughs> yeah, probably. Um, still have it hanging in the closet, and I pull it out every now and then. In fact, I was at the uh, Let's Play Hockey Expo last year here in the Twin Cities, and that's the one I wore around, and it uh, – Got a few few comments from the goalie crowd. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's bad. Um, you know, and I have to say, you know, talk, talking about uh, idols, uh, I saw your piece recently with Bobby Hall. 
uh, talking to him and how, how you looked up to him and that, that really neat story on how he came to Manitoba when you were a kid with the, the gold pucks. Uh, th that was a neat little piece. I can only imagine how yeah. much wound up on the cutting room floor too. It was amazing. You know, as a nine-year-old kid, and, you know, the golden jet from, uh, you know, my favorite team as a little kid was the Blackhawks. So I, yeah. you know, Bobby Hall was my favorite player. And then he's playing in Winnipeg, uh, you know, an hour away from where I grew up. And then he comes out to Carmen and to watch us kids play. I mean, that was just a dream come true as a little boy. And then he brought all those pucks and signed them all for the kids. And he still does that. He's one yep. of the best hockey ambassadors ever. Yeah, I, I had the um, pleasure of meeting him. There was that Target right around the corner from Southwest Ice Arena. Uh, when it opened, my mom was working there and they had Bobby Hall and Sam Makita come out to sign autographs. Uh, and for whatever reason, they got there an hour early before the place opened. And the manager of the place, his kids played hockey and I played hockey. Everybody else that worked there didn't have kids that played hockey. So they're like, Joe, and I forget what the other kid's name, where they go, why don't you go in the uh, the room there and keep Bobby and Stan company for an hour? And we're like, what, really? <laughs> You're kidding me. Um, yeah, so I, I still have stuff signed by them. And uh, Bobby told the story, you know, how fans meant so much to him. And if it wasn't for the fans, he wouldn't be who he is. And so he, he said he always had the time for him because of that. And I, I thought that was awesome. Yeah, and he's still that way to this day. We uh, we did an event with him in um, Aspen, Colorado about, was that two years ago, Dane, or three years ago? I want to say it's been about three. And then before yeah, that, and, that, we were in Montreal together. Yeah, and he he's still the same. Um, you know, we were, <laughs> we were watching the kids play, and then they're all coming up for autographs. And, you know, he just stayed right till the very end. And, and I think an extra couple hours, he was there signing for all yeah. the kids. It, it, and he loves to tell the stories. And uh, what I remember too is uh, he he wanted to hear the stories of us kids as much as we wanted to hear his stories too, which <laughs> I thought was really fun. He he thought those were fun to hear about, you know, how we learned to skate and how our latest games were going. Yeah, he he was a real treat. Um, yeah, for sure. It was an honor to get to to talk to him again and you know kind of hash over old times and and hear some of his stories. So you know it was a real honor for me to interview him. Yeah, um, he, you know, it was just very enjoyable. Yeah, um, it, it had to be fun for you too, Dane, growing up, being able to uh, see these icons of the game, you know, the, these legends, not to mention some of the guys your dad got to play with, like uh, Jeremy Roenick and Bobby Hall and, you know, those guys. Um, that, that had to be something as a kid. I, uh, <laughs> Joe, there's honestly... <laughs> It's, it's stupid, but there's really not that many words. Um, when, when you grow up kind of playing the game, that's just your life. Um, yep. I, I was born into this game. It's all I knew. So, you know, Edward, you know him. He's one of the best goaltenders in the world, and that's all I knew. So this is life. There's, there's nothing else outside of hockey, outside of the ice, outside of these guys, the, the Jet, you know, Styles. You got JR, Jeremy Roenick, like, that guy's one of the coolest guys ever in the world to play the game. And, yeah. and he's, he's, he's calling me over to his stall in, in the, you know, United center here, Dana, here, have some, have some uh, double bubble gum. Cause he would always have a, <laughs> have a bucket of that on top of his stall. And I, I'll never forget this, but 
now that I'm 31 years old, I think I've earned the right to say this, but I'll never forget the day that Jeremy Roenick rigged an auction at, at the, at the, the hockey camp, Chelly's uh, hockey camp that they did every year. He rigged the auction. So I'd win his autographed Jersey. Like that's what I was raised with. Like that's the, that's the coolest dude in the world for me. Yeah. <laughs> so he, he just seems like one of those guys that, uh, He's fun to have a, a beer with, and uh, he, he just he's out there to have a good time. It doesn't matter if you're a former NHL player or just uh, the person sitting next to him. He's going to have a good time with you. Yeah, he's awesome. One of my favorite teammates for sure, and, you know, just uh, such a competitor, but always awesome to be around. You know, just like you said, wants to have a good time. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, he, he speaks his mind. He's not a you know, a BS artist, he just tells it the way it is. And I love him for that. Yeah. Uh, you know, Charlie, you know, the three of us were just awesome together. And, and, you know, I look back and we had such a great team and, you know, it was awesome to play with those guys. And, uh, you know, Charlie, uh, you know, he's Dane and Reagan's godfather. So oh, really? Yeah. We, we stay in touch pretty well, the three of us. It's always awesome to see those guys. Yeah. yeah. I've uh, I've had the pleasure of running into Chelly a couple times because of where I grew up. But, you know, he was always at the rinks with his kids. And uh, I, I mentioned I played high school hockey at Brother Rice. Well, he played at Mount Carmel and they're fierce rivals. And uh, so <laughs> yeah. it, it wasn't wasn't uncommon to see him at some of those gatherings as well around the Catholic League. Um, uh, in fact, I went to Brother Rice, which is where Eddie Olchek went to school and I've told the story on the podcast. So one day I was walking into school and he's standing there talking to the principal and the principal calls me over. He goes, Joe, this is, I said, I, I know who that is. That said, he old check. Uh, and he goes, yeah, yeah, yeah. So <laughs> uh, yeah, Catholic League has produced a few decent hockey players. Um, I, I, I can see where I'm going. I'm, I'm getting off track here. So I, I want to try and be mindful of time. Um, question for you, Ed, you've told the story uh several times of, you know, getting into hockey at a young age, uh, and, and as a Canadian, that's normal, but what was it about the position of goaltending that really drew you in? Well, I think, uh, for me, it was always about the equipment and, you know, back when I was a kid, um, you know, the, the goal pads were made of, um, leather and, and deer hair and, um, you know, the, the face masks were just uh, basically almost like a catcher's uh, helmet mm-hmm. with, with a screen that sits on the face. And right back then was when, um, you know, they started making those uh, plastic, they're almost plastic uh, Jacques Plante face type masks. And I always thought those were so cool looking. I'm like, I want to wear that cool mask. <laughs> and um you know, I'd wear it and you had the helmet that went on top of your head with it. And um, I wasn't a goalie right from the start. I was actually a forward, but I still played goal once in a while as a little kid uh, just to try it and always loved tinkering with the, the goalie pads. And back then the Kinsman supplied all the goalie equipment. You know, we uh, couldn't afford to buy any equipment back mm-hmm. then. And, uh, you know, I always got all the hand-me-downs and used equipment and stuff like that, but I uh, always loved playing with the the equipment and, and messing with it and um i remember um i got my first new set of pads when i was about 
13 years old, I think it was 13 or 14. It was because the, uh, the ones that I was wearing, all the hand-me-down stuff, they would be like deer hair all over my crease. And um, <laughs> while the play was going on, I'd be like grabbing the deer hair out of the crease and skating over to the back then. We didn't have glass. We had the chicken wire. So, you know, I'd be throwing throwing the, the deer hair through the chicken wire, <laughs> skating back to the net as fast as I could. And all the parents are yelling at me, Eddie, get back in the net, get back in the net. <laughs> it, it, it's... So, Finally, one of the parents, uh, Mr. Lush, Jerry Lush, um, one of my teammates' fathers, uh, he's passed away now, uh, God bless him, but he went down, he got sick and tired of seeing me skating over the, to the chicken wire, and he bought me a brand new set of uh, Coopers, and uh, I still remember to this day getting those Coopers and being so, like I was just on cloud nine, and you know, I had the, the mink oil, and I oiled them all up and took them home and slept in bed with them and oh my gosh it was just uh, just an amazing time and and I just loved the equipment like I was probably a, a better forward actually as a little kid I scored a lot of goals and very competitive uh, but as time went on is growing up in a small town the two guys that would play goal on our team they didn't want to play goal anymore I was the only one that knew how to play goal. So it was, it was like the coach and all of my teammates like, Eddie, you, you got to play goal now. <laughs> <laughs> and I look back on that. It was a good thing that that happened. I don't think I would have made it as a forward. <laughs> <laughs> so, Dane, when you start playing uh, at a really early age, um, I'm going to guess it just was normal that you're like, well, dad's a goal, you know, goalie. I'm going to be a goalie. Was that really how it was? Or did, did you try skating out? What, what drew you to the position? That's it. Thanks for asking that, Joe, because I really do value how I started playing hockey. You know, every kid starts out, you know, really young ages learning to, you know, just get on the ice with their parents, with their mom and dad, usually. And it's around the age of four or five, you know, really starting to skate, you know, on your own. Um, and I was a, uh, Dude, I was a left D because of my godfather, Chelly. You damn right I was a left D. And uh, <laughs> and from, from there, the evolution just kind of took place. Uh, you know, mom kept on bringing me back to uh, practice every day. And before I knew it, that was a year down the road and under the belt and another one and another one. And I ended up playing uh, left wing, right wing, jumping up to center. I played all positions. Um, and by the age of 12, I was practicing just for fun once or twice out of the season, just throwing the pads on. And then it was when I was 12 years old, I asked my mom to ask dad, cause I was too scared. I think <laughs> <laughs> I wanted to set a goalie gear and uh, I'll never forget it. I, I, I had uh, my first set of all blacked out Bowers. Uh, that's when dad was still wearing, you know, Cooper Bauer relationship. And that was right around his transition into Vaughn gear. And I had the freaking matching like gear that he had when he won the cup back in 99. So I was like, I'm yeah, still wearing Lord. that stuff. I, I bought this Dude. stuff in 99. That's what I still wear today is the Vaughn legacies. Those are the best pads. Yeah, I swear awesome they, they had such nice hard shin pieces on the yep. inside of your half. Like you could stand Abs and make a save. You could go down and they stacked. They were just awesome. And I was just like that. 
So, yeah. you know, like that was always, that was just a positive from, I'm back like that. So it's the best ever. And then I just never left the pipes, man. <laughs> yeah. The other thing about that Vaughn set is the glove. I mean, there's no way Kay Whitmore would sign off on that Vaughn legacy glove today. It was like this big. I remember when <laughs> I, uh, I played my college hockey at St. Mary's in Winona and when it came in my freshman year, the, uh, assistant coach who was our equipment guy he goes the thing came with an f and 18 wheeler it's so big <laughs> deep pocket deep yes. pocket on that that glove yeah, yeah i remember and, that one and I, I know you use the uh the floating pocket but on on the base model it didn't need the floating pocket it was huge <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah so you know dane starts playing goalie as a goalie parent, uh, you know, what were you thinking? Were you thinking, all right, I got to keep my mouth shut and just let the coaches handle him? Or were you kind of in the back of your mind, like his angles are off. He needs to open that glove sooner. He needs to, you know, were, were you giving him some coaching or, you know, how were you as a goalie parent? Well, I remember the first game I went to watch him play as a, as a goalie. And um, I was like really impressed and proud. Like he was, he played his position for just starting like at a later age, he plays his, he played his position perfectly. Um, and um, I just remember like, I was like, Holy cow, he knows how to play goal. So that was awesome to see. And then he decided he wanted to keep playing goal. And I was all supportive of that, but I'll tell you as, as it went on, um, you know, I was helping him a little bit, not right in the beginning, but as he got a little older, I'd help him. And I'd try and get him, you know, on the ice with Trechak when, whenever the opportunity presented itself. And then Steve McKeegan was helping also. Um, so we had some good people working with Dane and I would help out as much as I could. Uh, then when I started watching him when he was playing, like as he got a little older, it was tough watching because I get so nervous and I had a hard time watching. I, I was like, oh my God. what my mom and dad went through <laughs> near as much as you know maybe my mom and dad watched me mm -hmm. but you know I was also playing at the same time so there was wasn't all the opportunities to watch but I really enjoyed watching for sure and uh, very proud of course and there was times when you know because Dane didn't play exactly like I did you know he he had his own style yeah so you know he was adapting and um you know, he would work on, uh, you know, because we, we would wear a lot of the same equipment. So I would give him some of my equipment to wear and break in. I, I had the um, all the different skate profiles that we were working on, and Dane would try those. And you know, he would really help me develop a lot of my equipment and, and my skates and give me feedback, which, you know, in turn helped me uh, make the equipment better, as you know, over the years, they're always changing the rules and the size of the equipment mm -hmm. and, you know, what you could do, what you couldn't do, which, you know, you just get the, the glove and the pads perfected. And then they come in and say, oh, you got to change this. You can't have this anymore. I'm like, oh, we just spent the last three years on you know, perfecting it. <laughs> Thanks well, a lot, guys. <laughs> well, at least in the goalie community, you're legendary for tinkering with your equipment, you know, being the guy that sharpened his own skate. So, uh, that, that 
would really impact somebody like you. You know, I've talked to other boys where like I, I just wore what was uh, off the shelf. They, they didn't tinker with it. But for somebody like you, you know, the Vons I bought from uh, Jerry's uh, down the street from I say, hey, aren't the Vons you were wearing? That's for sure. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I remember we, we got the hacksaw. We're cutting the pads in half and pulling the stuff out. Well, this 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 foam here is way too soft. You know, we need to, you know, tighten this area up here. And, you know, we really got into the pads and customized them. And, and you know, I'm sure every time that I came to, to the Vaughn factory, Mike was I just shaking his head. Oh my gosh, here comes Eddie. And the power <laughs> guys, you know, Dave Maunder, he was awesome to work with. And, and, you know, everyone was just awesome to work with the guys, you know, at the CCM factory, the Reebok factory, you know, Jill's, he was my equipment and, and, you know, Dane would always get to try it too. And, you know, it was, he would help me, uh, and keep the, the darn rules the same because you get something just figured out and it was perfected and you'd be getting shutouts and playing awesome and then they change the rules again. Yeah. Now <laughs> Back you, to the drawing board. You mentioned the, the Bauer Cooper days. Um, in my opinion, that Cooper Reactor 5 set you had is the all-time greatest looking oh, setup with the black cool. and white stripes. Why nobody using the Bauer DigiPrint hat, like... Mike McKenna did the Reactor 5, but he didn't do it with the black and white stripes. But as the story goes, that first set of Reactor 5s you got were white. And for some reason, you got a Sharpie out and added those black stripes. So first, is that true? And second, if it's true, why did you add them? Why did you get the Sharpie out? And then I got to know, was it the fine tip Sharpie or was it at least one of the big tip <laughs> Sharpies? <laughs> yeah, it took a while to do that. <laughs> yeah, we, we definitely marked up. I think there was two sets that we marked up like that. And um, it just, I don't know, I wanted to create the, you know, kind of a, an illusion for the, for the shooter, just mm -hmm. to maybe mix them up a little bit. You know, he lose the puck and the pads on rebounds and stuff like that. I was always trying to figure out what was the best for rebounds, you know, or, or when there's a a scramble and if they could lose sight of the puck just for a second you know it helps me maybe recover just for that extra second and, and be able to make a second or third save yep yeah it, to me that 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 graphic with this the black and white stripes and then when you added the red on the side rolls to me that that is uh just the greatest looking pad ever I, I absolutely well, cool. loved it. Um, Glad you liked it. So, Dane, I got to ask, you know, your dad's always tinkering with the equipment. He's letting you try it out. Uh, did you get into tinkering with the equipment as much as your dad did, or was it more of, well, he's letting me try it. I might as well. It's really funny you're saying this, but today – out of left field and it's probably because of you know like podcasts we're having i just started thinking of games i was playing all the different equipment i was wearing and i was like i know 110 percent in my mind with what i've gone through just with dad 
I could make my own equipment. That just came out of left field today. <laughs> I was like, I could, well, I can, I can design new equipment for new kids. That, I mean, that'd be great. I know what I'm talking about. I've worn it. I've been through it. And I just had to laugh because along the lines of what dad was saying, you know, I just had it all figured out and freaking changed everything and wrecked it for us. So at, at the end of my career, you know, I was so used to making changes every single year. Um, you know, with, within, you know, your gloves, your blocker, your pads, but my pants, my chest, I mean, I wore the same chest protector for seven years as dad's old CCM chest protectors, the mm -hmm. best damn thing. It was thin. You could actually turn your head and see what's going on behind you. And you didn't die because it was 120 degrees with foam and all this other crap. Yep. I just, I, I absolutely love tinkering, but I think to dad's point, I was a little bit different on my own style and my ideas, not all the time linked up with dad's, but together throughout discussion i really think we came together with some unbelievable stuff like i swear to god i wish dad would have worn cohos i wore cohos at the end of my career and those are the best damn pads i've ever put on my legs dad was always like dane you'll know when you put a pair of pads on your legs you're gonna go out and get a shutout and i'm like no dad i've never felt that not once not ever i feel terrible wearing these brand new pads i want to wear the ones i've been wearing for five years because it felt great. But the cohos, I could put them on. I could do cartwheels out on the ice. I was just, you know, kicking ass. And and I love tinkering with stuff just like dad, but I'd say just in a little bit of a different way. And together, without a doubt, my game, you know, was was the way it was because of because of dad's, you know, insight and his experience and you know, us changing with, you know, a few things. Oh, you wanna Ah, uh, you look like you tripped up a little bit doing a C cut there, Dane. I think your hollow is too sharp. What are you What are you sharpening your skates at? That's a whole nother topic of discussion. I mean, hours. Yeah, uh, you know, sharpening skates. I, I was taught how to do it, but I could never get it just right. Thank God I was practicing on uh, rental skates and not my own. <laughs> <laughs> that that's Joe. I will tell you right now. I have watched. game after game after game and after his workout sharpened skates for hours and yep. and he made it a point he was like Dane, these be perfect because if this is perfect then everything else feels right so i i really cherish all the the little things that i picked up from the game and from my dad you know just tinkering with stuff yeah. i mean that's how we do it with our own whiskey i, I was gonna say <laughs> we, we, tink, we tinker with stuff I was going to say that that has to have carried over nicely into the whiskey. It's almost a perfect transition too, because as I'm, tr trust me, I, I started writing out notes, questions I wanted to ask. And I said, time is limited. So I have to really keep it to a minimum here, you know, but the whiskey side of things is uh, really different. And, you know, to your point, it is a lot of tinkering, getting the recipes right. I've learned that in my home brewing. Uh, so before we even get into that, I got to ask Ed, you know, your passion, at least when you were in Chicago, was no secret was racing in cars. You were a gearhead. You had the 41 Willie on the back of the helmet. And then Dane comes along and he's like, Dad, I think we should tinker with spirits. Um, and clearly <laughs> you guys have gone full bore. So I, I want to know, are you still into the cars like you were before? Or has this been like a, you know, this is something that uh, it's, it's a, new endeavor and I want to just like I was with hockey and 
the racing. I want to be the best I can be. Yeah, we still love cars and, you know, the old muscle cars. And, um, you know, we still, uh-oh. That, you know, that? I, I think we're good. It just said they're Don't good. touch anything, Edward. No, <laughs> I, I just got the, uh, the pop-up that said they're not going to constrain us to the 45 minutes. So I, we're, we're all good now. Okay, awesome. <laughs> Yeah, no, we still love the old cars, the muscle cars and street rods and, you know, racing. Um, you know, I think at some point, Dane and uh, my younger son, uh, Adler, we want to get back into some form of racing. Mm -hmm. um, you know, Dane has uh, got me into the rally car stuff, too, which I wasn't involved with uh, when I was younger. But uh, uh, I just actually just recently with, with Dane's yes. advice got a, a Subaru STI so it's pretty cool <laughs> to, to race that is awesome I am not much of a car guy and oh, I, <laughs> uh, <laughs> enjoy that. still got a couple of my old muscle cars so I love all that stuff but uh, you know all of that's definitely played into our our whiskey business uh, I, I have all the confidence in the world to try new things mm -hmm. and, and know how to go about doing it because of the way we treated our, our goal equipment and our skate blades. So I do a lot of tinkering with the, the toasting and the charring levels in our barrels, uh, different types of barrels from different cooperages. Um, you know, our mash bills are pretty set. We, we do try uh, a little different on the mash bills here and there but we're straight too far from what we have your baseline and it's really good and then you just tinker a little bit off of that and if it gets better then you, you know you got something uh, you can always go back to but uh, that's how we treat our whiskey business um, you know our mash bills are our own that we've researched uh, we do a lot of tastings uh, behind the scenes. We're perfectionists. We, we proof down in one point increments to find that sweet spot on every one of our whiskeys. Mm -hmm. And um, that's why they taste so smooth. Or if we want something with a little bit more character, a little bit more bite, we'll find that sweet spot for that. And uh, we got a small batch that's coming out like that here pretty soon here in the next uh, month and a half. And, um, you know, I, I tell everybody to look for that one because it's it's pretty darn good. You know, <laughs> I, I forget which podcast I was listening to, but you said originally you guys looked at vodkas, but that market is saturated. Uh, a guy like Mark Parrish, who's up here in Minnesota, has his own vodka. Um, you know, it seems like everybody's got a vodka. So you said, no, we're, we're going to go a different route. And you went whiskey. Um, that had to have been interesting because you guys also learned early on, it's highly illegal to tinker with your uh, recipes at home. <laughs> so how, how do you not only learn the craft of making whiskey, but do it to a point that you guys are winning awards have, you know, all over the place uh, for such a young brand? Well, we, no comment, we, no comment, no comment. <laughs> yeah, don't worry, none, none of the federal authorities are listening to this. <laughs> we pay attention, you know, like goalies to every detail. Yeah. Um, you know, Dane and I both went to school to learn how to distill and everything about the business. 
Um, you know, so we went to the Canadian Institute of Distilling in Kelowna, BC, uh, actually during the playoffs too. So we got to watch some uh, junior uh, Western junior hockey uh, playoffs while we were there. Uh, then after that, we went to the Moonshine University in Louisville, Kentucky, and uh, learned so much more there and made a lot of connections in the in the bourbon industry. And, and we still have that we met there still working and helping uh, uh, Belfort Spirits uh, perfect uh, its business and our business. And, and so we've, you know, learned a lot from those two schools. We had a chance to do a lot of tinkering at the schools while we were there and learning about the mash bills and, you know, all the different uh, geese that you can use. Dane was then lucky enough uh, to do an internship at Woody Creek Distillery in Basalt, Colorado. So he got to do hands-on work uh, on a day-to-day -day basis at the distillery. Uh, he made our first 12 barrels of our, our straight rye whiskey right now that's uh, was our limited edition uh, straight rye whiskey. And it's the one with the very beautiful chalice on top. It uh, looks kind of familiar. Yep. Yeah, I, I, I've seen something every now and then around summertime that looks close to that. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Uh, you know, I, I think it's fascinating how you really immersed yourself into it. And um, you, you didn't just find something that worked, but you're, you're taking it as it is. It's a craft. It's it, You have to tinker with it, uh, just like you did your equipment, to get it not just, just right, but, to, you know, when, once you get it to that, this is good, you're like, okay, but what can we do just to make it a little bit better? Exactly. Um, it's, it's almost like we're doing. I, I was recently yeah. talking to uh, Don Strauss, the guy that made the armadillo masks for guys like John Van Beesbrook and painted his helmet. He got his start in the racing industry. Uh, his dad is in the um, uh, Canadian Motorsports Hall of Fame as a uh, drag racer. And he said, you know, his, his whole thing was, you know, he, he started making that armadillo mask uh, without any preconceived notions from mask making, he, but he was really influenced by the racing industry. And I, I think he can probably see that in his masks, uh, but he said he was always tinkering with it because in racing, you're always tinkering. And I, I, I kind of see that in the, you with your equipment and now the both of you with your whiskey, it's just, you know, it's good, but little refinements here and there can just make it better. Oh yeah. You know, I think, um, you know, with our, our business model, we, we love the special editions, the limited editions, the single barrels, you know, the things that are really unique. Um, you know, we have, I bet probably 20 little projects behind the scenes that we can come out with over the next 10 years. And you'll have the single barrel programs. You know, people love those single barrel programs and the small batches and special editions like the Sioux bottle that we just came out mm -hmm. with. I think it was sold out in like two weeks. <laughs> so. Well, it's there, awesome. there's not much more to do up in Fargo right now with the, the way the weather <laughs> is. So yeah, it's, it's going to sell quick. <laughs> yeah, no people, you know, we, we were fortunate enough to, uh, you know, Southern Glazers sent some of it to Illinois and some of it we had here in Texas also. And uh, it's done well, you know, in both places there too. We have some more of it that we're going to come out with sometime over the next year. We're not sure when. Uh, so that some of the folks that didn't get any will 
we'll have some back on the shelves for those folks. But yeah. um, we'll definitely have more special editions like that in the future, some really unique products that, that are interesting uh, to talk about and, and look at the history of, of that product. But the juice inside the bottle has got to, you know, it's got to be great too. And we, we're always, like you said, we're always trying to tinker with it and make it better. As a beer guy, a big fad for a while has been um, taking the old bourbon and whiskey barrels mm. and aging the beer in the barrels. Have there been any talks with um, breweries to use the old uh, barrels for their beer? I, I'm thinking a great collaboration with uh, Marty Turco and his brewery would be a good yeah. Belfort barrel-aged uh, series there might be a, a good one. Yeah, there's... There's definitely been a lot of interest there uh, from different breweries, and we're we're actually going to do our first one with a brewery out of uh, uh, North Dakota. I can't say yet because we haven't <laughs> finalized the deal, but yep. uh, it'll be in in Grand Forks, and uh, it, it'll be a pretty interesting project. I look forward to getting involved and uh, you know promoting that that project, and um, it's going to be a lot of fun. But there's there's been a lot of interest in that. And um, when we have our own distillery here in, in the near future, uh, we're hoping to announce that also, we'll be able to do a lot more of that. Yeah, well, as a Minnesotan, I should be able to get my hands on some of that beer at least. <laughs> um, it, it's interesting you mentioned, you know, some of the uh, uh, special stuff has gone to Illinois. Now my sister still lives in Chicago, uh, but my folks have retired out to uh, one of the coastal islands in North Carolina. And, uh, my sister is going to visit over Christmas. So dad goes, why don't you bring me some of that Belfort whiskey? Let me try it out. So of course she, she uh, went to Kenwood Liquors in Oak Lawn and found a, a bottle of it and brought it out to mom and dad. And they went, yeah, th this is pretty good. <laughs> so, so it got their seal of approval. Um, That's awesome. Yeah. Good to hear. Yeah. I, I, I'm thinking mom and dad probably could have used some of it back in my playing days <laughs> to get them through my games. <laughs> Um, it's always helpful to have a, a, a little uh, toddy here and there, definitely after <laughs> some of those rough games. Yeah. Um, you know, one of the things I do to close out every episode is I have a list of 10 rapid fire questions. And one of those is uh, the best drink for after a game. So we'll, we'll be getting there. <laughs> um, <laughs> you know, what, one of the other things I really like about uh, Belfort Spirits is it's just not you and Dane. Your daughter's involved as well. Um, as a dad, how proud are you to have a business that, uh, is successful and to have your children play such integral roles in that business? Well, I'm very proud. Um, and I'm so fortunate that, you know, all three of my kids live here in Dallas in the Dallas Metroplex uh, near me. Um, you know, we're, we're involved with one another on a weekly basis, on a daily basis, over the phone. Um, it's just, you know, a real treat. And, um, you know, they're the most important people in my life. And um, just honored that they both love the business, detailed and she counting and the operations of the business uh she loves the that organizational side of our business and she does a great job at, at it she also does awesome videos 
um, I, I don't know if you've seen any of her videos, but she does uh, these cocktail videos where she makes a cocktail and talks about the cocktails and, um, you know, Dane does it too. And they both are great at, at uh, that part of our business. Uh, Dane's awesome. Uh, he was a bartender, so he's awesome at making drinks and, you know, he, he's very good at all our tastings and he, he tastes and smells all the aromas of every whiskey that we have and puts those profiles together. Um, Adler was there when we dumped our first uh, 10 barrels at Woody Creek <laughs> and he was like chipping away at the bung and helping get the bung out and out come all you know, the whiskey comes pouring out and he's like, oh, oh like he was so excited. And so, you know, it was, it's just so exciting to have it, you know, everyone involved. Now, of course, there, there's times when, you know, we, we don't always see eye to eye and my kids have very strong personalities and, you know, we definitely have our arguments, but at the end of the day, we're all passionate and, and we're always learning from one another to be better. And that's like, on, on a hockey team, you know, you got 20 guys in a locker room, room who are passionate and have strong personalities. You're not always going to agree on everything, but everyone's there to win. Yeah. And um, that's how our team works together too. And my family's the same and we're one big family. We love one another. We're working towards the same goal and that's to be the best uh, spirits business that we can be. And, you know, we're, we're trying every day to make our products better to expand our business around the country and to, uh, you know, share, um, you know, the fun and, and the, the whiskey that we've made with all of our friends and family members and all of our fans. And uh, it's awesome to get out there and, and do tastings and podcasts and, uh, you know, have, have a, a, a sip here and here and then now and, now and again <laughs> with, with the fans, you know, it's, it's awesome. Yeah, and now we get to finally have a beer and a whiskey with everybody who's loved you forever. <laughs> well, you mentioned the, the passion you bring to it. There are some, we'll call them amusing YouTube videos of the passion you brought to hockey at times, too. Uh, <laughs> so it, it's uh, not a surprise that it rubbed off on the kids. Uh, so, Dane, you know, we mentioned your sister, um, and I, I saw her videos today about the, the Valentine. Uh, mixes. Uh, so yes, I have seen some of them. But Dane, be honest. How do you feel going to work every day and seeing your sister? <laughs> well, that's, that's really a great question, Joe, because I love my sister. Um, yeah, she's three years, just just under three years younger than me. And um, she it's, it's funny, whenever we're out together, she said, oh, she she says we're twins. <laughs> Uh, you know, twinning, like our, our minds are always on the same page. We finish each other's sentences. We, we joke around, you know, just incredibly with one another. And especially when we're in public, when you put us in a public setting, when we're around people, we don't know, it's almost like we're just in our it's own a comedy bubble. act. And yeah. uh, it, it's definitely a comedy act. It's, it's like uh, Kristen Wiig and if Will Ferrell did something, you know, together, it, that's basically the <laughs> dynamic that we have. Yep. And um, I didn't get to really be around my sister all the time growing up, you know, obviously in the digits. Yeah. But as hockey became more competitive and I became more of a suitcase, um, you know, you didn't get to really spend that much time yeah. um, with the family in general. So when Reagan and I get together and we talk business, 
it's just us laughing hysterically um, with one another and 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 we just kind of forget that we're doing anything else and and, and it's just uh, you know us watching tv and cereal on our dinner trays or breakfast trays in the morning and it's really they something spent a, special that they spent a couple months together this summer at the distillery in north carolina going over all the barrels and the barrel inventory and working together on it and dane don't you guys kind of have a little joke about how you guys are in the cabin together yeah if uh, reagan brings this up all the time but the show uh, that's on netflix with uh, eugene levy shit yes shit's creek we love that show in our house the, the brother and the sister they're they're living in the hotel room together as roommates yep. well that was reagan and i for three months just this past year <laughs> uh, at the last quarter of the year closing out re-inventorying all of our barrels and checking on profiles and and just getting the next few batches ready well that was reagan and i and you know I'm trying to get into the bathroom and she's still showering. I'm like, Reagan, we got, we only got 10 minutes. We're going to be late. We got to get going. <laughs> so it's never a dull moment. It's very high energy. I love working with my sister. She is so organized and I am a little bit kind of all over the place. Oh, there's a squirrel over there. And so she really helps me be well, on point. You're a goalie. So that that's how we are. Yep. Got, got to, you know, the peripherals are always going and you know, there's always a guy back door behind the net and yeah didn't do any of the work to get the puck into the zone anyhow yeah so um neither here nor there i'm i'm a true traditional goalie hey forwards yeah. you might learn something if you listen to us yes uh so where in north carolina is the distillery because i'm heading there in a couple weeks yeah. yeah okay i'm gonna have to see how close that is to yeah it's called Dad. southern southern distilling and um they got a nice operation there it's uh pete and vienna barger it's husband wife team um they're just great, great to work group. with great and group. um you know we're so fortunate that they allow us to come in and, and work at the distillery and you know do our tastings there and our blendings and um we're very thankful for them that that's amazing um yeah i'm, I'm heading out there for a spring break with the family to visit mom and dad so I, I may have to bring that one up to dad we may have to take a day trip <laughs> nice. um so as I mentioned, I, I like to close out the podcast with some rapid fire questions and I want to be uh, cognizant of time as well. Cause like you said, I, I think I could probably go for four or five hours with you too, if allowed. Uh, and I don't want to do that to you guys. So, you know, we'll, we'll save that for when you guys uh, expand into Minnesota and we can maybe do it in person. Who knows? We'll bring uh, a bottle up, Joel. That's how it's gotta be. <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, and if it's still winter, I got the backyard rink. We, we can do some skating and uh, even taste better. It. Yes. Um, I'll, I'll have to send you guys the link. Uh, I don't know if you ever saw the Steve Carell video where he was uh, practicing goalie by himself. Me and my kids remade that video on the backyard <laughs> rink last week because uh, we had nothing better to do and the, uh, with rinks pretty well shut down here. So, um, yeah, it's, it's a fun little thing back there. Um, but uh, so the, the first question is, and, and I'll go back and forth between the two of you, uh, but I'm really interested, Ed, to hear from you because you got to play for Mike Keenan. Uh, what's the craziest coaching moment you experienced in your playing days? Mm. <laughs> craziest. Well, being pulled out of a 2-2 game. Oh, you just don't do that. No. Yeah. That was my craziest moment. <laughs> I was like, I can tell you're still harboring feelings on that one. 
the, lock, the locker room took the beating of that one. <laughs> Dane, I'll, I'll give you the same question. What was the craziest moment you had from your playing days? Oh, my God. I'm not going to lie. I, uh, I was in uh, OCN in, uh, in the MJHL. And um, it's 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 way up north and uh, uh, very close to a, a, a native uh, uh, Native American reserve, and uh, the kids there that play on that team are just pieces of steel. And the fans are even crazier. And mm-hmm. the fans were. This is the first time I played in in Manitoba. I was 17 years old, nine hours north of Winkler, and the fans are growing bouncy balls and gumballs out on the ice and other pucks. And they start talking to me and having conversations behind me and they're going, Hey, is that Eddie down there? No, no, no. That's Eddie's brother. See, he's got a seagull on his helmet. That's not an Eagle. (laughs) And they were throwing pucks at me and gumballs behind me behind the net. And I was a teenager back then. And I had just broken into, you know, junior hockey and I'm trying to, think i'm like is am i am i supposed to, i'm doing what i'm doing right i'm just not gonna you know look at these folks and then of course you make eye contact and then that's a whole conversation from there on and uh, never a dull moment in the manitoba junior hockey league it's it's sheer heart and grit there and the yeah, fans are just skin. as passionate yeah uh well so what did t what did t say t was the coach then or who was the coach so Tease, this is right before Tease came in. We had Daryl uh, Enerson, pardon me. Um, Tease came at Christmas time, and this was wow. just before Christmas. Um, but so yeah, Daryl. You know, yeah, Daryl was such a. I love Daryl. He's a great coach. He, you know, the coaches are so smart with the younger players. When you got a great coach, especially who's good with goalies, just leave the phone. Don't don't even look at them. Don't talk to them. Just say a couple nice words. And that's all Daryl said. He was like, hey, Dane, just go out there and watch the puck. And my only problem was when they threw two or three out on the ice at the same time, really. <laughs> and I was looking at all of them, of course. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Trying to stop the one in the middle, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so the, the, the next question is um, – and I almost feel guilty asking this one because the answer for me is uh, pretty much anyone you are, Ed, is what's your favorite all-time goalie mask? Uh, doesn't have to be yours. can be anybody else's. Uh, what's the favorite mask you've, you've seen out there? Well, I, I really love Tony Esposito's mask. Um, you know, he was my favorite goalie when mm-hmm. I was a little kid, and I, I drew uh, two uh, art renderings of him. I think I was in grade three. And I, I just loved Tony and, and loved his mask. That was my favorite mask. And, and I ended up winning first, pri- first prize in the Carmen Fair with, with those art renderings of Tony Esposito. So uh, you can imagine how happy I was signing with the Chicago Blackhawks and yes. getting to meet Tony Esposito. Yes. So. Uh, Dane, what about you? What's your favorite all-time mask? I was always a big fan of, obviously, Dad's mask. I mean, the Eagle was just freaking so cool. Um, I love Patrick Laleem's mask uh, with the little Marvin the Martian. Yes. <laughs> yeah, I, I love that one. Um, but you know who had to have been my probably my favorite was 
Roman Turek's mask, my dad's goalie partner, he had Eddie, the Iron Maiden guy, on on his helmet. And I I grew up, you know, after dad got traded to San Jose, he left his entire CD collection. So I had Iron Maiden, Def Leppard, Scorpions, <laughs> Kiss, you name it. And and I was like, hey, I know that guy. And I, I thought that was just the coolest mask. Roman Turek's, you know, interpretation of Eddie, of Iron Maiden. That was just awesome. Yeah, th- that was a, a great mask. So I have to ask, Ed, you know, you work with some great painters, first with Greg Harrison that created the Eagle and really gave you the name, the Eagle. Uh, and then you work with Todd Miska, who's literally 30 minutes up the road from me and then Bishop, but uh, Todd's son, Hunter, he, he's now playing for Colorado, but he, uh, last year with their AHL affiliate, the Eagles, he came out with the Eagle mask. Um, and, and I, you know, a lot of people are like, oh, no, nobody else can wear that mask. And I, kind of step back and so there's only one other person that I think could wear that mask at the pro level and that would be Hunter because he was playing for the Eagles and his dad is the guy that painted it did you see that when he came out with it and what did you think I honestly didn't see it so I'm I'm happy to hear that and you know Todd did a great job as they all did I mean they, they were they were easy to work with and each eagle has its own unique uh you know, characteristics, but, uh, you know, that's really cool to hear. And, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm happy to hear that. So, uh, you know, the Eagles was, was, you know, right from the beginning with Greg Harrison, uh, the very first one, I mean, it was just, uh, yeah, that's it. Yeah. And, you know, each one after that, you know, it was just like, uh, it was like, you know, Christmas day opening your presents, <laughs> you get a, a new Eagle and, yeah. uh, it was a lot of fun, and, and you know, this is the, the latest yeah. Eagle that's on the bottle. So Yeah, it's fantastic. And my, uh, one of my best friends from back home, Jeff Friesen, who did, you know, he ran Carmen Incorporated for us and, you know, built a lot of special car for us. His daughter, Abby Friesen, who sat in the Stanley Cup in 99 when we won it, <laughs> she created this Eagle. Oh, very cool. Yeah, so, I mean, they're all awesome, and now we got this eagle here and it's just even like i call this guy the war eagle so yeah <laughs> i i yeah. think it's great um so I, i'm gonna go to the next question and this one um this one always makes people people think um what's the, your favorite rink that you've played at well that's easy chicago stadium <laughs> that, that's i got a piece of it right here on my desk I, I loved that place. Oh, yeah, <laughs> uh, yeah we got a couple of chairs, right, Dad? Yeah, we still have a few of those. So yeah. I, I got to share this story. The first time I, I went to the Chicago Stadium, we had gotten tickets to the New Year's Eve game in the last year of the Chicago Stadium. And I was never so upset to see Jeff Hackett come out up those stairs first because I was like, I'm going to finally see Eddie play in person and here comes Jeff walking up those stairs. And I was like, my first time at the stadium and I don't get to see him play. And I think you guys played Dallas that night. You still won the game. And a couple, about a week or two later, I got to come back to the stadium with a buddy of mine and got to see you guys, got to see you play in person. But it was like, oh my God, the, the disappointment of, I, I, I forget how old I was at the time. It was my, my dad found humor in it, though. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, I was probably just as upset as you were not being in the net. Trust me. Yes. Uh, Dane, what about you? What's your favorite rink to have played at? 
I, uh, I'm, I'm going to have to stay the Air Canada Centre. Um, I, I had the honour of going on the ice as a 14-year-old and a 17-year-old for a Maple Leaf Skills competition with Dad mm-hmm. and all the guys on the ice. And I'll never, ever forget, you know, 19, 20,000 fans screaming my name, you know, Dane, Dane, Dane. And, and, you, stoned, and you stoned Kenny Clee on a penalty shot. <laughs> <laughs> it, was, it was, it was awesome. Like I, the things that I've been able to do because of, you know, my family and my dad and, you know, the game that I grew up playing, there's, there's just not enough words for that. Like, you know, the question earlier, you know, Bobby Hall, you know, Chelly and JR and everybody else. It's just and, and of all places that I got to be in, I was I wish I wish it was the Maple Leaf Gardens, but Air Canada Center. Hey, are you kidding me? Yeah, that that is one of my favorite photos back there. Edward, say something Spanish so they can see your face now. <laughs> say something Spanish, I dare you. Orlo. <laughs> Mega mind. <laughs> for for me, I have to say my favorite rink is it's a toss up between where I played college hockey and Southwest Ice Arena, and I always say it's Southwest Ice Arena because that's where I learned how to skate. And I I learned how to skate at the Murray Bannerman Learn to Skate. Murray Bannerman. <laughs> yes. Yes. There you go. Yeah, that's I, awesome. He awesome. had his Learn to Skate out there uh, in Crestwood. Um, so what was your favorite all time or favorite stick that you used in your playing days? My Christians. Those those things were amazing. I loved them too. They were awesome. I loved Christian goalie sticks. I was unfortunate what happened there and, um, but I still like me just loved them right till the end. Yeah. What about you, Dane? I was a big fan of the Christians because I loved, tough they were yes and you could actually feel the stick like you you know it, it had good weight to it, it had good feel um the other stick i really liked was the sherwood um when dad went to toronto oh my god sherwood was making they, they were kicking they were kicking like you could just yeah. rip the puck with mm-hmm. these sherwoods that dad just like yeah. first got when, when he was in toronto but uh they weren't they weren't as strong as the christians so mm-hmm. it's like you know what do you, you got to kind of pick your pick your night i guess there pick your stick there with, with what you're really after yeah you know and those christians they were so strong that it, it took more than one whack at the goalpost to break them i'm told yeah uh, I, I love that's people. what i saw in a video <laughs> yeah you, those are the best ankle breakers for sure yeah Would you say edward yeah. <laughs> ankles and kneecaps <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm stalling because I'm looking for the picture. I, I used uh, Christians in college too. And um, I kept all my broken sticks and I made a coffee table out of all of my broken Christian sticks. And it's still at my mom and dad's place in North Carolina. If I can find the darn thing. Nice. Oh. I made a birdhouse one year. That oh, was, nice. Uh, it was a, it wasn't as, I didn't have all Christians. It would have been way cooler if it was Christian. Oh so, Yeah. And they, they were the Toronto pattern there. I just cut them all down and made a uh, coffee table out of them. That's and cool. It was a great little conversation piece in the dorm room. That's for sure. Yeah, that's <laughs> awesome. 
Um, but yeah. I, I have to say my favorite stick is that Cooper Reactor 5 that you used uh, late in Chicago and early into San Jose and Dallas. I, I loved what I loved about that one was the, the paddle was it wasn't as round on the front and back. It was more flat. And for whatever reason, I just felt I got a better grip on it. Um, so the next question, we're almost through them, is what's your favorite youth hockey memory? Um, I'd have to say just uh, we used to go around to all the little towns around us and we play like, you know, four games in one day, you know, all those little tournaments. Yeah. And, and, and in between the games, you'd be with your teammates, you'd be playing like floor hockey in, in the rink. You know, it was like it was like hockey, you know, the whole weekend, Friday night, Saturday and Sunday. <laughs> And uh, just, you know, just loving the game and just having a blast with your teammates and just, you know, there wasn't really any pressure. It was just all about just having fun and playing hard and just, yeah. you know, doing what you love. I, I love that. What about you, Dane? It's kind of, a, it, it's kind of a flip back and forth, to be honest with you, Joe. I, uh, I remember, you know, one just playing one spring, you know, spring league. I was going back and forth between forward and goalie, <clears throat> playing with St. Jude. We won our championship game, and I had to have been maybe you know, 11, 10 or 11 years old right there. Um, but my favorite youth hockey memory, and I'll say this, is actually when I was coaching um, my kids in Aspen. Um, they were 12 and 13 year old boys and we made it to the finals in Colorado. We didn't win, but my kids, they, they like rallied from Christmas time on. I, and, and I had never been so proud to be associated to the game and be able to give back just everything that was given to me from, from dad and all the other guys, just to see, you know, these four. 15 kids you know around the age of 12 13 give it their all that that's for the love of the game right there yeah that, that's what it's all about I, I love how, how you talk about coaching and saying that it's giving back to the game because when my college days were over I, I coached at the high school level for a couple of years until I had kids of my own and mm. it, it was to get back to the game that gave me so much and um it really was rewarding. It was almost more gratifying at times to see these kids get it and succeed yeah. on the ice. And it was doing it myself. Um, it, it was really fun. Um, what was really different too, as a coach is finding out which kids you had to put your arm around and I don't yeah. want to say coddle, but you know, how to handle the different personalities. Cause I had one goalie where if you let in a goal, I could look at him and be like, where was your head on that one? Dumbass. And you would go, eh, yeah. yeah, I deserve that. You know, it's yeah. just, he had, he was mentally strong like that, where picking on him in that form actually lightened the mood and helped him refocus. And then the other ones was like, it's okay. Yeah. It was a backdoor pass. Nobody was there. You, you shouldn't have had it anyway. <laughs> like yeah. step off the ledge. It, 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 coaching was really fun to me and my, for me. Anyway. I, com I completely agree with that statement that, just going through my timeline and career, and I'm, I think I could speak for everybody, even dad, you know, at some point of his career. But you always notice the different coaches you have mm -hmm. and the ones that resonate with you and helped you become a better 
person and a player, those are the ones that had it figured out. Those are the coaches that I, I resonate with and say, those are the best coaches I've ever had. And then I hear a forwards perspective and they're like, that guy's a freaking idiot. And I'm like, no, keep the peace calm. Everybody's feeling good. Let's go out and win, 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 uh, win a hockey game and have some fun playing the best game in the world. And, and to your point there, Joe, knowing, you know, one kid from the next. And I think that I'm so thankful seeing so many different scenarios with dad getting traded and playing on different teams and seeing teammates sent down, seeing teammates retire, you know, seeing the ups and downs and the the trials that you got to go through in sports, you know, just how about politics attached to it? I, I, I feel for kids just trying to play the game they love and not necessarily be judged so harshly at certain times. You know, but, you brought up a, a thought I had there for a second. Uh, you talked about the, the different guys your dad got to play with and players going up and down. There is a podcast here in the Twin Cities I was listening to recently, the uh, Bar Down Beauties, and they had a uh, local goaltender by the name of Jude Hall. Uh, you may know his dad, Brett, and his god grandfather, uh, Bobby. He had that great tweet uh, not too long ago of uh, – something about worst decision you ever made. And he said, I decided to be a goalie after my dad and grandpa combined for how many goals. <laughs> um, but he, he was talking about his influences as a uh, young goaltender. And they asked him, well, who was your favorite goalie growing up? And he goes, easy, Eddie Belfort. Uh, so did you know that, Ed? And uh, if not, you know, what do you think of that? Yeah, no, that's awesome. And uh, Brett always told me that, and you know, got to meet Jude a few times and, um, you know, he always was a wonderful kid and, you know, we got him some equipment and stuff and I always give Brett some stuff to give to him. So it was a, a real pleasure for me to, to know that Brett's boy looked up to me and, you know, he wanted to be a goalie and, you know, and, and I was kind of, you know, the same way, like when Brett told me like, yeah, Jude wants to be a goalie. He's a goalie. And I'm like, what? <laughs> Why do you yeah. want to be a goalie? <laughs> you, know, you think he's gonna be a, a natural born sniper for sure? Yeah, <laughs> but yeah, you know that was that was definitely an honor for sure. <laughs> yeah, that was one of those when when he put that tweet out there. I, I think they could have just shut down Twitter for the day. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, next question is what's the best chirp you've heard on the ice or in the locker room? The best chirp on the ice or in the locker room? Yes. Because sometimes the best ones are at your own teammates. I know that much. <laughs> the best chirp from a teammate towards me or like just, in general. In general, yeah. Hmm. Let me think about that. As I mentioned that, I remember uh, my first game in college. My, my game um, was very much like a mix between Dominic Hoshik and Curtis Joseph, as much as I hated Cujo in my younger days because of what he did to the Blackhawks. I've since changed my tone. I, you know, I respect <laughs> the guy now. Um, but I, I made this save. I'm on my back looking at the ceiling and my legs are in the air and I kick the puck out of the air. My one teammate defense, and he goes, Joe, that save you made on your back legs. He goes, that was really cool, but don't do it again. It scared the shit out of me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You God, know. Dad, I don't, I don't know who, I don't think anybody ever looked at you. I think people were just too scared to, to, <laughs> to 
say anything or look? I, uh, yeah. I don't know, Dad. Who did you? No, I didn't see him. So, I mean, I got chirped a couple times, but I, they, they, they weren't repeatable chirps. <laughs> and yeah. I always, I got even pretty good. Um, one was about Dane's mom. Oh. And so I can't repeat it, but it, it sure pissed me off. And then I went out and got like, I think the next two games, I, if I remember right, we, uh, I think we won two, one. And like, I just stood on my head and just, yeah. you know, we were, it was in the playoffs too. Oh. And uh, the other team was up two games to nothing. And I got. Chirped. And I was like, oh, okay. That, uh, they probably wish they never chirped me after that because we went on and beat them three straight. And, uh, <laughs> <laughs> ended up winning the series. It was against Toronto when I was with the Blackhawks. Oh, boy. Yeah. We still take things personally. Yes. What about you, Dane? Any good ones you heard? Uh, I, I directed your way in the locker room, anything like that? Oh, uh I actually, for Secret Santa one day, um, it was hilarious. I'll never forget it. Uh, one of my my buddies gave me uh, a Justin Bieber um, Christmas holiday CD special because uh, I absolutely, I love JB. You know, he's a Canadian. He loves the Maple Leafs. The Maple Leafs are my team. So I'm showing my tribute back to an artist that I like. So, uh Aaron Pierce gives me this Justin Bieber holiday Christmas special and an LED flashlight. And there was a running joke with it that was, you can turn on this LED and listen to this music to kind of find your way out of your dad's shadow. So I, it was a burn. I mean, I got it my whole life. The presentation was great. You know, no harm, no foul. Yeah. Um, but every. Thing that I got bitched at, or pardon me, chirped at, was uh, <laughs> um, sorry about that, Joe. Don't worry um, about everything it. I got was definitely Edward related. And uh, um, the other one I heard was, uh, Hey, buddy, why don't you trade that visor in for some talent coming from a guy in the Ontario Provincial Junior who was wearing a visor, chirping somebody wearing a birdcage? And I was <laughs> just 15 years old playing in the league. And uh, that's all I got. I, everything else, I just kind of blacked out. Uh, it wasn't so much of a chirp for me, but I was playing at St. Mary's and I, I was a four-year JV All-Star. Uh, mm -hmm. I joked that I had the fastest door in the Mayak. Um, but uh, so we're, we would round out our schedule with some junior B teams. And I always stood at the one end of the bench that was right next to the visiting team's bench. And so the other goalies there and they're, they're always trying to start a fight, but we had the full cage and they didn't. And one kid looks at me, he goes, so do you guys not fight because, uh, you know, it's a Catholic school? And I looked at him and said, no, it's because we have cages on and you guys don't. It's not a fair fight. And he goes, huh, I suppose that makes sense. <laughs> yeah, the logic. yeah, it's like, that's why I'm in college right now and you're not, buddy. <laughs> I think a little differently. <laughs> Uh, so th this next question is that one I alluded to earlier. What's the worst post-game drink you've had after a game? 
I typically say beer, but you guys are in the spirits business, so it could have been something else. Say it again. The worst post-game beer or drink you've had. The worst post-game. Yeah. Because I know the best one was whatever you were drinking out of the cup in 99. Mm. That's a really good one. <laughs> if I, when I mentioned I met or ran Eddie Olchek at uh, school the one day, he was talking to the student body and he mentioned that uh, he's only drank alcohol twice in his life. Once in 94 out of the cup and then at his wedding during the champagne toast. Those are the only two times he's had alcohol. Um, but anyway, the, the worst uh, post-game beverage for you guys. Oh, Gatorade. Gatorade. <laughs> You're going there? I was, I, I, was, I was thinking more Long Island iced tea. I haven't been back Oof. to Long Island since, so. That, that's got to be a tough one after a game. Uh -uh. <laughs> I was. Uh... Yeah, I, I'll, I'll never forget it. My roommate, he gave me one of those. That was it. That thing is disgusting. I was I, me and my buddy were, I think, 14, 15. We're down in central Illinois. My dad was a Chicago fireman for 30 years, but he taught for the state teaching different firefighting classes. And we're down in a uh, little area south of Champaign, um, Philo, Illinois. Uh, it's known as the center of the universe because, as the story goes, somebody walked out of the local uh, bar, the only bar in Philo, climbed up the water tower and painted center of the universe on the, the water tower, and it's been there ever since. Um, but the waitress is uh, getting ready to come and take our drinks, and my buddy go, tells my mom, he goes, you know what, I think I might have one of those Long Island iced teas. What's the difference? My mom goes, oh, only about five shots of alcohol. <laughs> he goes, oh, maybe I won't be having one of those today. <laughs> um, Long Island. Yeah. Uh, so when you tape your stick, do you go heel to toe or toe to heel? Hmm. I was always a heel to toe, Dad. Heel to toe. Yeah, I, I'm the same way, and that was because I – a lot like you in the early days, I, I went up the heel and it was a lot easier to start over if I messed that up, if it was at the beginning, yeah. excuse me, than at the end. Yeah. Uh, I, I think I know the answer to this question, but I ask everybody, so I'm going to ask it. What's your favorite number to wear and why? Well, obviously <laughs> number 20 because of Vladislav Trecha. Yep. Yep. Uh, it's, it's, uh, the, the, the day that we won the Stanley Cup ended up being the 20th of June. Uh, so that was pretty cool. The game started on the 19th. But if you remember, we won it, I think it was like, I don't know, 1230 a.m. or 1 a.m. in the morning. Yes, I, I remember that game because uh, I was a senior in high school that year. And I had just left uh, the day the game started to move into uh, the dorms at St. Mary's so I could work the hockey camp and mom and dad dropped me off. And then they went back to the hotel room and mom says, yeah, dad's sitting there watching the game all down. He's like, I should be watching the game with Joseph. And she's like, ah, he's probably back at the dorms watching with the guys. No, we weren't watching the game. We, we had the keys to the rink and we went out and played for like four or five hours. Um, and we're going, all right, we'll get back and we'll watch the replay on ESPN. And we get back to our rooms and we're like, oh my God, the game's still going on. I, yeah. I, turned, I turned the game on maybe two minutes before Brett scored that goal. You were uh, good luck. Yes. Look at that. <laughs> yes. I, Perfect. I, 
you know, I, I was pretty excited uh, to, to watch that one. And one of the other goalies, PT Hader, he's not, he was playing for St. Olaf. Um, he's now actually a Northfield cop. Uh, like me, my favorite goalie, he's lifting the Stanley Cup. So we were pretty excited, the two of us, that that night and the next morning as uh, campers were moving in for the summer. <laughs> uh, yeah, that was an awesome night for sure. I'll never forget it. Yes. Uh, Dane, I I'm going to guess number 20 because of your dad. Um, I did wear 24 a little bit in my career. Um, I have to say my, there's a clash between two numbers. It's number 29 and number 30. Um, I wore 29 in college, which was the same number that dad wore in college. And then 30 was the last number that I wore, um, when I played, uh, over in Sweden. And, okay. And, uh, yeah, so 29, 30. Without a doubt, you know, dad wore 30. Uh, one of my favorite goalies, uh, Henrik Lundqvist wore 30. Um, Marc-Andre Fleury, 29. Yep. Dryden, 29. I mean, <laughs> those guys are freaking cool. So you, you got you to gotta throw your colors up. That's cool, too. But, you know, those guys are pretty cool. <laughs> <laughs> you, you see him most days. You know, these other guys are uh, ones you look up to, right? <laughs> yeah you know joe seriously when when dad stopped playing hockey you know 08 where i wasn't able to watch him every day that try to find somebody to watch that you've been watching your whole life yeah and it's like somebody just flipped the lights off well the only guys there for me personally no disrespect to all the folks and the guys who made it to the nhl i mean they're great goalies but you know guys like luongo for me Jonathan Quick, you know, Flurry, Hank. Um, those were those are really guys I had to turn to to learn the game. And this is, you know, that's just that's how much I can say that my game reflected off my dad's game. You know, mm -hmm. I just that's how I learned. I watched him on TV, I watched him on the ice, and that's all I did is I just watched him and tried to do everything he did. Yep. And you know, it, it's funny you say that because growing up. I, there was only one goalie for me to like, and that was Eddie Belfour. But I, when you retired, Ed, then it was like, huh, this Brodeur guy is, he's not as bad as I thought he was. You know, yeah, yeah. Looking around at some of the other goalies, it's like, you know what? Yeah, but I, I, I took the rose-colored glasses off, and I started to watch them, you know, objectively. And it's like, okay, yeah, I, I can I can like them now. Yeah, yeah. I get it. Well, I thank you, Joe. Yeah. yeah. Um, uh, so the, the last question I have in the rapid fire is what advice do you have for young goaltenders? Well, um, or, say, or distillers. <laughs> <laughs> I, yeah. I would say that, you know, don't get down on yourself. That's my advice to young goalies is it's, it's a tough position and, it's a very difficult position. It's uh, awesome. But don't get down on yourself ever. Always just stay positive and, um, you know, just uh, try to learn something new every day about the position and definitely reward yourself. You know, when you make a big save, you know, feel good about it and, and you know, pat yourself on the back whenever you can because, you know, you're going to need it. You, you got to be your own best friend. 
hey, I'm a beer leaguer, so anytime I make any save, big or not, I pat myself on the back. (laughs) (laughs) Dane, what about you? I'm I'm gonna have to second that. You know, I uh, I approach the game with uh, with humor. Um, I, I I was the type of guy I need to have fun, you know, and be loose and just kind of relax and make sure everyone's feeling good. And so another another movie and reflection of a Will Ferrell character, but Jack player coach. Yeah, I've got a ring too. Everybody love everybody. And that was my biggest thing. I would always say to my, my teammates, Hey guys, the most important thing is that we're all here together and everybody loves everybody. And that helped me get to the places that I did in, in this sport is, is just knowing that I, I could look at everybody else out there. And I was like, I love that guy. He's going to go through a wall for me tonight. He needs to know I love him and maybe he'll, 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 you know, hey, I'm gonna, I'm gonna go to bat for you. you maybe know? he'll actually cover the back door. <laughs> yeah, maybe, maybe you'll see that guy standing there in the high slot for the last 13 seconds, and you'll grab that guy and say, "You're not scoring." Yeah, you know, <laughs> I mentioned the back door. I, I've shared this one before. There was one game I could see the guy out of my peripheral on my glove side back door, and I'm t- and my defenseman standing right here where I can see him. I'm, I get my post. I wasn't in the RVH because, well, I learned to play goalie in the days when we were still making skate saves and our yeah. chest protector was a two piece. And I'm saying, cover the guy back there. Nothing. Cover the guy. I'm yelling at him, like, Joel, cover yeah. the guy back there. And just as I knew it was going to happen, the puck gets past this guy all along, just taps it in. And I turn to yell at my defenseman, and he goes, Oh, you meant that guy. <laughs> it's like, like yep yep well played can't be mad you at had you one job <laughs> yes one was, job yeah it's like all right i can't be mad at you we're having fun <laughs> you know so well fellas i uh i i think we could keep talking um if, if you gave me the opportunity but uh you've been more than gracious with your time and i'm very thankful um you know, when you guys make it into Minnesota, hopefully soon, uh, we'll have to get together in person and uh, continue the storytelling. Yeah, that'd be great, Joe. Thanks for having us. Really appreciate the time and, and all the fun stories. Yes, I appreciate uh, your time. It, it's uh, been a thrill to talk to you guys, uh, both of you, and uh, to talk uh, whiskey. Uh, it's it's really fun because, like I said, I, I'm a home brewer, so I know that process. I, I haven't tried my hand at whiskey because we both know it's illegal to do at home. Uh, <laughs> but I, I, I've watched a few uh, shows and whatnot on it, and th- th- there's a lot more to it than I think people realize. And to learn it as quickly as you guys did and put out a product that is as quality as it is. And like I said, winning awards seems like every week now I'm seeing on the uh, social media account uh, that uh, there, there's another new award you guys have won there. You should really be proud of yourselves. Well, thank you very much, Joe. And really appreciate that. Yeah. Thank you, Joe. It means a lot. And especially, you know, dad and I talking about the game and uh and some whiskey, those are two rights that can't go wrong for us. So we really appreciate the time, man. Yep, that conversation just happened. I hope this was just the first of many conversations I get to have with Ed and Dane. That was such a fun conversation, and I feel like we're just starting to scratch the surface of so many topics and stories. 
I'm grateful for the time they spent with me and need to thank their Chief Marketing Officer, Elizabeth Cornelius, for helping coordinate the episode. Be sure to follow Belfour Spirits on social media to learn about tasting events, new distribution territories, and get drink recipe ideas from Dane and his sister Reagan. I also need to thank my wife because she is the one that encouraged me to start this podcast. If it wasn't for her, I wouldn't have had a chance to talk to Ed and Dane. Changing topics. As I mentioned last week, I saw on the GGSU United Facebook goalie group, a mother shared that her 15-year-old son Gage, who is a goalie, is scheduled to have his leg amputated just above the knee tomorrow, February 17th. He has been courageously battling osteosarcoma since December. His family is working on putting together a video with clips from people from all over the world offering friendly words of support and encouragement during this chapter in his life. They've even received a video from his favorite goalie, Marc-Andre Fleury, I'm told. Feel free to reach out to me and I'll share the family's contact information or search hashtag goaliesforgage on social media. You can find me on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, YouTube, simply by searching for Wash Up Goalie. Visit washupgoalie.com for some great hockey-related content, my beer league hockey video highlights when I'm able to find a skate during this pandemic, and of course, all podcast episodes. If you want some wash-up goalie or tendy talk apparel, be sure to visit my Threadless shop by clicking the shop link on my website. Like the podcast? Give the BLPA Big Show a listen. The BLPA Big Show is part of the BLPA Podcast Network, That is a couple of beer league players chatting about beer league exploits, not just hockey, but all sports, and at times, hot topics in the world of hockey, hosted by Nick Jones and Trish Dangles, and Cara Diabella seems to be the unofficial co-host as well. I need to thank the band The Zambonis for allowing me to use their music on my podcast. You can download their music on iTunes or listen wherever you stream your music from. I'm working on lining up other goalies to talk to for future episodes. If you are a goalie or have a connection to a goalie who I should talk to, shoot me an email at washupgoalie39 at gmail.com or send me a DM on social media. Let's not forget, if you're a brand who wants to sponsor the show, be sure to reach out to me. I'd be happy to talk. And finally, if you like what you hear, be sure to subscribe, rate, and comment on the podcast platform you're listening on. It's a quick action on your part that helps others find Tendy Talk. Until next time, keep your stick on the ice and your body square to the puck.